We uh, are having an amazing time with pressure points and what they mean in our lives. And this weekend, we are dealing with a topic that all of us love. Politics. Politics. I don't know that I have ever taken a whole message to speak on politics. Um, we are going to pray for our nation today, uh, among other things. But I really do want to talk to you a little bit about what this means and the condition of our culture. It's a, it's a hot topic. How many of you in this last week have, have talked to somebody about politics? How about today? Yeah. I've just so enjoyed the debates. Haven't they been enlightening? I recorded them. I just watch them every night before I go to sleep so I can have peace in my heart. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm stunned. And I'm going to be as straightforward as I know how to be today. And we're going to pray because we need, how many of you know we need prayer? Our nation is in trouble. And yet this message is not, you know, gloom and doom. It's not that at all. But we're going to take a, a reality check to really, I might say some things that either hurt your feelings or, or bug you, but that's okay. I'm not, I'm not going to not say them because I feel like we need to have proper perspective. And I'm not saying that my perspective is the right one, but I want to give you a Bible perspective. I want to give you a kingdom perspective that is way bigger than America. And that matters. Would you agree? That really matters. And so I want to just, uh, I want to think about uh, by the way, at the end, I'll tell you who you should vote for. <laughs> but that'll keep you in suspense uh, until then. I'm kidding. I hope you know that. But I am going to vote. And I hope you will vote. The problem is for what and for whom. That's the big thing. And that's the pressure point that we're all under right now. Now, I need to just say this. If you are about, I don't know, maybe 45 or 50 years or older, then let me just say this to you. Don't just live mad because you're losing your country. Because that's what it feels like. For people who have watched the great America through the years and have worked and labored and raised children and many have grandchildren, there's this something that the box gets ticked right now when you watch these debates, when you see the condition of America, it's pretty easy to lose hope. If you're 45 or under, I just want to say to you, don't be so disillusioned that you just give up and forget everything. Because typically, your response, and that age group right now, these 20-somethings, they're kind of throwing their hands up going, what is going on? What should I even be doing? What should I even be thinking? And so, as we talk about these things today, we need to have some perspective that might be different than what... You expect. How did Jesus handle politics? Because there were a lot of politics those years that Jesus was on the earth. Did he just ignore them? No, he didn't. But did he fix everything? No, he didn't. Do you know part of the problem with when Jesus was on the earth is that his disciples especially kept believing that the kingdom was going to come to earth in their lifetime? And that he was going to overturn Rome. And they were so excited and they kept trying to help him overturn Rome. And they were motivated much by politics. And we don't really get to see in their mind and in their soul and in their spirit. But we do get to have glimpses of Jesus when he is 
when they try to trick Him. And this is one of the passages that I'm going to read to you now in Luke 20. If you have a Bible, just open it up, follow along. Luke 20, verse 20. This is what it says. It says, watching for their opportunity, this would be the people who oppose Jesus, the leaders sent spies pretending to be honest men. They tried to get Jesus to say something that could be reported to the Roman governor so that he, so they would arrest Jesus. This is politics. Teacher, they said, we know that you speak and teach what is right and are not influenced by what others think. They're buttering him up, right? They're trying to really make him feel confident. You teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Politics. He saw through their trickery and he said, Show me a Roman coin whose picture and title are stamped on it. Caesar's, they replied. Well then, he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. So they failed to trap him by what he said in front of the people. Instead, I love this line, Instead, they were amazed by his answer, and it shut him up. No, it doesn't say that. It says, they became silent. I like it when someone says something so profound that there's, no, there's nothing else that needs to be said. That's what Jesus did in this political dilemma. Now, I need to, before we go through these points in the outline, you need to understand the context of this text and really what's happening in the story. Because... Until you come and connect some of the dots with the Old Testament, uh, this doesn't live the way it should live. So, I have a coin here. This is a coin that has a stamp on it. It's imprinted. And it's a prayer coin that I use. I keep it on my desk. We handed them out to some men. Many of you men still carry this coin. It's talking about the armor of God. Now... This coin has a stamp on it. And in Jesus' day, the, the currency had the picture of Caesar and it said Caesar on it. So that's why Jesus says, hand me a coin. As a matter of fact, would everyone, if you can, would you just take out a coin? Ladies, if you have some coins, would you pass them down the aisle? They can put it in the offering later. Just, just pennies or nickels or whatever. I'd love to have everyone have a coin. So just dig around for a minute and give a coin. I'm gonna, cause I'm gonna refer to this several times. Uh, today as we as we talk about this. So thank you for doing that. Just hold it in your hand a minute and look at it. The sides are different, but there's probably something imprinted on that coin. And what's imprinted on it shows you what it is. It might be five cents. It might be 25 cents. It might have a picture on it, but something is printed there. It's called an image. Now, here's why this is so important. Because Jesus takes this coin and He says, Oh, look right here. Something's been embedded in that coin. Oh, who is that? And they all said, Oh, that's Caesar. Oh, okay. And He gives them the coin and He says, Then why don't you give to Caesar the stuff that has His image on it? Then He says, connecting it to the Hebrew word back to Genesis, where it says, and God made us in His, what? Image. He pulls that word, and He uses the Greek parallel word, and He says, but that which has God's image, 
Why don't you give that to him? Now, he's not trying to get out of answering the question, but he's trying to put perspective. He's giving a solution that says, we really don't belong here with Caesar's stuff. Because all of that has his image on it. Our image comes from another place. That means our identity, our hope, our faith, our loyalties lie within a different kingdom than the kingdom called earth. It doesn't mean that we rebel against living on earth. It means we should make it the best place we can. We're working hard to bring the kingdom of God to this earth. But it really matters that we recognize whose image we are created in. That is what we offer to God. So with that in mind, and I'll come back to that in a little bit, I want to just fill out some of these, this outline and get into some nitty-gritty stuff. First of all, we live in a broken system. We live in a broken system. Now this is important because, <laughs> I hate to say this, but I'm going to just say it. I'm learning to lower my expectations. Especially when it comes to politics, character, um, the truth. It's been a real struggle, hasn't it? Just getting people to be honest. And just all the little things that are climbing out. You guys, when we planned this series, I had no idea we would be in the mess that we're in. After all these debates and all these issues. And I thought, wow, Lord, you really set us up. You really set us up. When I realize that I'm in a system that is broken... And I have these extremes, these extreme emotions. Now, one side, you can just be apolitical, like many Christians have been through the years, and say, I will have nothing to do with government. I serve God, and I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to care. I'm, I'm going to do what I have to do, but I'm not going to be involved in anything that involves politics. Many, many, many followers of Jesus have taken this stance through the years. Then there are others who somehow feel that the call of God is on their life to enter the political arena, run for office, do everything in their power to, to keep America great, to make America great, based on Bible values and the truth as they see it from the kingdom of God and kingdom values. And I personally believe that both of those extremes are very personal. And you really have to walk that road carefully before God with the mantle that He's put on your life to live. I will say that I am very, very uh, fortunate and we are very fortunate to be in a country that we have a vote. I was looking at the nations of the world that have no vote, where there are dictators, there are emperors, there are people who decide, and most of them are completely corrupt nations. And all the money gets scraped right off of the top. We have our problems, but at least we have a say and we can go to the poll and we can vote. And I hope that you will do that. But we need to remember that the system we live in is broken. The problem with being party driven, you know, if you're a Republican or if you're a Democrat or, you know, maybe you've separated yourselves from those two main lines, I don't know. The problem is that nothing from government will advance God's plan because it doesn't have His image on it. People 
are what have His image on it. And when people come together like we are today, we can somehow celebrate the kingdom of God. I was look, listening the other day to our, our one-day offering totals. that You guys just keep on giving. And uh, we're about to send it all in. But we're like over $160,000 now that we are helping disasters in the world. And believe me, we need to be helping with disasters all over the world. Why do we do that? How can we do that? We can do that because you and I share similar values that have His image pasted on us. And so we can say, we agree. We want to bring the kingdom of God to earth in a bigger way. I, uh, I'm going to really throw something out there for you. You know, America's not really listed in Scripture as being a main player in end times. And it might not be the most powerful nation now, and it might not be when, when the Lord returns to this earth. We might not even be a power at all. I don't know. But I know that God has a plan that's bigger than America. And one of the things that we have to really think through is when, when we hear politicians say, God bless America. That is the desire of our heart as we sit here. That is our desire. I pray that God will bless America. But bigger than blessing America is may His blessing come through our hands to the entire world. America isn't special because God has it as a favorite. And you'd be surprised how, many, how much pushback I get as a pastor when I start talking about God's love for people in other nations. And they, they don't like that because they want to believe that it's America that is the greatest and America that has God's hand. Listen, America is a great sending nation. It's the greatest sending nation in the world. And I do believe that does invoke the blessing of God. However, what is it that God blesses? Honesty, <laughs> truthfulness, character the right values. Is that why we are so frustrated as we watch politics at this hour? Yes. Because we are seeing a breach in those things. And we know what that possibly means is that God could, could remove that blessing that we have enjoyed. And God may just get angry at America for the stuff that's going on now. And when God gets angry at nations, it's real. And there's judgment that can come. And there's power in judgment. And judgment has a place that usually leads to repentance. So where are we in the cycle of God? It's worth thinking about and it's worth praying over. Can you believe I'm only on point one? Okay. The second thing I want to say is that the teachings of Jesus will always be under attack. You, you really don't have to look very far. You can Google this and see. But I did some research this week that shows there are less people of faith now. Church attendance is declining now, in America especially, in a big way. We're blessed at Timberline to have people come to faith almost every week and be in small groups and we're watching His hand at work. But it's not the case around the country. And we have to be really careful to pay attention to this because... Our culture now is driven by what is selfish and what is personal values for people. I want more of what I want. I want more of the thing that I think will help me. 
and I deserve it, and you need to help me get it, and you need to embrace me in my journey of getting it, regardless of what your values are or your morals are. This is what I need, it's what I want. When you now use the Bible as truth, that can be a mockery in some people's mind because they do not view the Bible as the final say on truth. They view their own opinion (laughs) or the opinion of someone else. And there's no absolute that can measure what truth is. So the Bible view is going to be under attack. And and, and we need to expect this as believers. We need to pay attention to the reality that I can't just get more angry and raise my voice and argue more and start thumping people with my Bible a little more. That is not going to help our cause. What's going to help our cause is to somehow recognize whose image is imprinted on us. And if we have that embedded on us, then there is honesty. Then there are the values that we need to be living. And that can be what? Light and salt. Light in darkness. As it gets darker, the light shines brighter. And in our world of bland, salt is a good thing. And salt is a purifier as well. So when we are called to be salt and light, we need to remember that instead of just raising our voice and fighting harder. People are getting their values from themselves and from our current culture. So what is it that fixes the sin problem? First of all, how many of you have sinned? Yeah. Just confess to your neighbor what it was right quick. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Uh, some of you are saying, which one? <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we've, our lives are filled with sin. And, and we know that. So this can't be a weekend where we go, okay, we're perfect, we have it all figured out, and the rest of the world that doesn't know the Lord, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. We all have sinned and fallen short. That's what the Bible says of the glory of God. So we're all basically that same nature, that sinful nature. What happened to us is the word redeem, which means to buy back. When Jesus came into my life, when He came into your life, when your sins were were washed away from you because of His death and His blood offering on that cross, suddenly you are identifying with a new kingdom. And that image is embedded even more in your soul, in your actions, and your outer man now has to bear witness of what's going on in your inner man. And so we as the church have opportunity now more than ever to be God-deliverers, to be um, Amazon Prime, I'll get it to you tomorrow. I mean, we have the opportunity, I was reading this thing about drones, have you seen this thing, you know, they're talking about drones, it's going to start dropping off packages at your house, and we're going to have, you know, we're going to walk outside and it's going to be like, that's a good place for a shotgun, wouldn't you think, that'd be fun, man, free clay pigeon shooting, I don't know. Uh, I shouldn't have said that. Sorry, I probably shouldn't have said that. Not very politically correct, I guess. I was thinking about the culture we live in and what happens as we deliver the package, as we deliver our heart, as we deliver the message. And, and somehow we, as the people of God, have got to have this transfer because the sin problem won't go away through politics. 
Now, here's one thing that's very important. People say, well, you, do, you need to pass a law that says this is wrong. Well, it doesn't matter if you pass a law. Laws, I, I heard John Ashcroft say this, and I really like this quote. He said, laws call us to the lowest and the least. In other words, if, if, if you do that, there's going to be judgment and a penalty. But there's not a law that says you have to be generous. But because His image is embedded on us, the law is way down here. We are called to be much higher than what the law calls us to be. We are called to be the people of God, the kingdom of God on this earth. So our hearts give. So we become generous. We become honest. We have values that separate us from those people who do not share the values of the kingdom of God. Oh, I've got to hurry. Number three. We must respect authority. We must respect authority. I'll just take a couple minutes on this one. When it comes to politics... Please stay respectful. You say, well, that's not worth respecting. I know. It's, it's, it, when it becomes a mockery, like some of the things we've seen and heard, I'm just learning to keep my mouth shut and pray. And vent to God. And my wife. <laughs> and it's frustrating. Because if I'm not careful, I'm going to bring all that stuff to this desk every time and I'm going to forget the good news. And guys, we have good news. When I say guys, I mean gals too. I have four sisters and I call them guys. So <laughs> we have the good news. And so we can't get caught up in this stuff. And Satan wants us to have our joy taken away from us. I must live in a way that does not point to a candidate, but to God and His values and His kingdom. What does it mean to be that salt and light? That image. You know, I, I hope you're holding that in your hand and you're just thinking about that. What belongs to Caesar? What belongs to government? What belongs there? Why don't you give all that there? But what belongs to God? Let's give that to Him. Living angry about politics is not going to be helpful. When I watch what I can... What I can tolerate, you know, you, you, no matter what news, I'm mad no matter what news broadcast I watch. I'm just frustrated because they're all lies. They're, they all take the worst or the best of the scenarios and, they, and it just like leads you up to this crescendo of anger. And living angry is not going to help me and yet I want to stay informed. How do I do that? What does it mean to live in His image if I really had to break that down, I, I, I would say, I'm going to stay thoughtful. I'm going to stay caring. I'm going to stay genuine. I'm going to try to be fair. I'm going to try to live with honesty. And if we remember that, then we have this hope in us. The fifth thing in your outline is this. We must know to whom we belong. We must know to whom we belong. This, this whole story, when they tried to trick Jesus, this whole political arena was about identity. And where do we get our identity? I love America. I think the nations of the world have been mostly blessed by this great nation. But I can't get confused between what is great and what God calls great. And there is a difference. And we must pay attention to that identity. I'm thankful that we are not having dictators who will kill us for something we say. I'm thankful that 
we can pray for our nation, which we're going to do today. God blesses right decisions based on His Word and His plans. And when nations depart from that, it's a scary thing. That's why I'm nervous. is because I feel a departure from that truth living that so many Americans spilled their life out for. And that's real. And that's not just political. That's real. And I'm sad about that. But my hope has never been in a country or a nation but it's always been in God. And we are deceived to think that we are in a Christian nation. People have tried that. Talk to Jeff Lucas about a Christian nation. There is no such thing as a Christian nation. What God cares about is every individual in every nation of the world. And that matters more to me than anything else. The last, the last thing I want to say, and I want to just spend a couple minutes on this. It's a question. In whom do I put my faith and hope? In whom do I put my faith and hope? Fear is driving so many people right now. Um, what's going to happen? I, I have this thought now. I, I pray for, for our children, uh, grandkids. I, I think about the world they're going to grow up in, and I don't know what that is. I don't know what that will be, but it, it does alarm me. And it, it probably, regardless of who the president is, it's just the state of our world. And sometimes I look at this and I go, there has to be, there has to be an end. And, and God, what is your game plan? So here's the question that I wrote down for me that I, I hope you'll write down and I hope you'll post it somewhere where you can look at it all week long, at least until November 8th, okay? Here's the question. Is God freaking out? If we could put a little video in heaven, I just wonder if, you know, the Bible says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. And I wonder if, if Jesus has to, like, put His hand on Dad's shoulder and say, Calm down. It's okay. It's okay. Somehow, I'm not sure that this election has the attention of God at the level we think it might. Why? <laughs> God has a much bigger plan. And His plan, we don't fully know. But if we are created in His image, and if His imprint is on our lives, then we need to rest and have faith and have hope in this God. You say, well, you don't understand. What if the world falls apart? Well, what if it does? What if we're beat for our beliefs? What if, what if they hang us upside down and cut us up with swords because we believe in Jesus like thousands and millions of other people in the world? How would you do with that? Well, I don't know. I haven't had to do that yet. <laughs> but I trust Him. And He knows what He's doing when I don't know what I'm doing. And I think... That this is a perfect time in our culture for us to show what peace looks like. What does it look like to rest in God in these times? When I was watching the, the latest presidential debate, I had a moment 
Well, I didn't want to break the TV, so I put the brick down. But <laughs> I had a moment where I, I was just so frustrated at the rudeness. And it didn't seem very presidential. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's one thing to disagree, but it's another to just be mean. And, and it's, it's not just one person. It just seemed like everybody involved was just so mean. And I just thought... God, help us. Help me to see that in me. Help me to see when I become anything like that. Help me to catch that. Help me to grab that. Help me never, ever to have those types of things come out of my mouth or out of my life. Why? Because I have something embedded in me. I have a different DNA. And if I can represent that, and if I can live that out in the toughest of times, it's going to go a long ways in bringing people to better decisions. God is not freaking out. God is the source of our faith and our hope. And regardless of who the president is, we will still have one king. And he's called the king of kings. He's the leader of all. And so I want, I want us to take a moment and pray for our nation. And I want us to take it seriously. And I want us to say, Lord, show me what I can do in my workplace, in my neighborhood. Pay attention to how, what you're saying to people. Pay attention. Take a good look right now at what you're saying to others and, and what your demeanor is as you say it. Does, it. does it reveal faith? Does it reveal hope? Does it reveal trust? And the peace of God, because you know what? This could be the most exciting day we've ever been in when it comes to world events. We don't know what God's in mind has in mind, but He has something in mind. And I trust Him. And that's the big question we have to have. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for America. You have used this country for many, many years to bring hope, to deliver the gospel. Some of the greatest missionaries, millions of dollars have been given to reach people through the generosity of people with your imprint on their life. Thank you for this place called America. Help us to have a prayerful attitude going into these next days to know that you are not nervous or worried, but you are God. And we trust you. Would you reach beyond the borders of America into every person, every little boy, every little girl, every soul that you created, and spend us on this earth to reach them. Show us we have a higher purpose than what a country can offer. And if this upsets us and throws us a curveball, I just pray that our loyalty will forever be with you and that we will not live with dismay, but we will live with faith and die by faith if need be. 
with heads bowed, I just feel like it might be important to pray for some in the room that really are fearful. I can honestly tell you I have some anxiety about it, but I'm not afraid. But some people are really afraid. And it doesn't mean you're weak, and it doesn't mean, you know, if you raise your hand that you're a bad person at all. I'm a, I want to pray over you that God would bring peace at a greater level. If you're, if you're living afraid because of all the election, all this, what's happening in America, politics, the challenges that you're seeing, the unsettled state of this country, and you're afraid, would you let me just pray over you right now? Just say yes to that or lift a hand if you want to to say, I'm, I'm living with fear in my heart. Okay. Father, we just pray over those who have this anxiety, this unsettledness that is real, and it can take away so much. And I just ask you, Lord, to show us how to live today, how to live on full, and how we can be the people of God. And we won't let politics take away the joy that we have from the Lord. I just pray that over our congregation. I pray it over our city and our nation. God, would you use us and spend us to make a difference for the glory of God. Amen.